You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue on with our Nip Tuck coverage still in the second season. We are up to the eighth episode. This is the halfway point of season two. We are on the episode entitled Agatha Rip, or as Nick would say, Agatha Rup. Uh, this first aired on August 10th, 2004. Uh, this one was written by the show's creator, Mr. Ryan Murphy, and directed by Michael M. Robin. Much better than Michael P. Robin. Uh, that joke really didn't work again. Ben, moving on. Did you not learn anything from the last episode? Uh, my name is Ben, as I just said, and I ain't nothing but a whore. <laughs> and I'm Nick, and I've been 92 guys since I hit the street. Oh, wow. You've been busy in the last week. Uh, <laughs> have you read some lotion on that? You must be a bit sore. Uh, <laughs> based on our last episode, is that where you turn around and say, banging another guy is gay? <laughs> um, just listen to last week's episode if you think we're like being homophobic or something. We're not. It played into last week's episode. Uh, this is a... This is a a very, very memorable episode of Nip Tuck. I guess that's how I could sell it. I really feel you and I are going to have some very contrasting opinions on this episode because this is always an episode that I struggle to watch. I'll just say that. I It just... Ugh. Yeah, we, I, I kind of am selling this where my opinion's going with this episode, but it's just... I will say that he's definitely one that you don't forget, um, but I, I feel kind of you and I are going to come out of this episode with very different viewpoints of it. I think probably what you're getting at straight off the bat is that it's, it's probably one of the more serious, heavy episodes of the show. And, you know, like this thing, the show does a really good job of kind of, you know, mixing the, the serious stuff with, you know, you get the, the one-liners from Christian all the time and, you know, but I don't think there's a lot of that in this one. It is very heavy and it needs to be in some places, you know, there's some really important stuff happening here. Um, and yeah, I think probably your mileage varies a little bit depending on your background with religion a little bit too, um, especially with Catholicism. If, you, if you're not really a big uh, follower of the Catholic faith, then this one is probably a little bit hard to watch. Um and that's where you and I might differ a little bit. But I, I was brought up Catholic, so a lot of this stuff just feels like second nature to me. Um, it doesn't feel particularly weird or difficult to watch. But um, if you haven't been used to that stuff all your life, then potentially you, you don't enjoy it as much. And I think that's probably where the underlining theme will come from our differing opinions. Because, uh, yeah, not Catholic, not religious, kind of an atheist. Uh, but I, like, I don't want to put that into my overall perspective because sure I have issues with this episode based on that element of it but I would like to try and think that I can make an argument possibly in this episode that it's not necessarily just about that um and I know recently in our third watch episodes download now available via iTunes um that I kind of we did have a discussion point about episodes and TV shows that that can kind of become preachy and Maybe this, to me, feels a little bit of this episode is kind of preachy. So, anyway, we'll we'll get to this. There's, this is probably an end-of-episode conversation. We're kind of selling kind of where we're going to go on this. And maybe, who knows, we can we can try and um, sell each other a little bit. Uh, but, anyway, we, we straight away, obviously, we're coming off the back of Matt finding out about Christian being the real dad. Spoiler alert, if you didn't know that, well, then, seriously, what the fuck have you been watching and listening to the last few weeks? Uh, Christian is Matt's real father. Uh, but we meet straight away our title character for this episode, Agatha Rip, 
played by the ever-eclectic, the ever-awesome Miss Sarah Paulson. Now, I really think at the time of Nip Tuck, she wasn't that much of a household name. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. But um, obviously, she has gone on to very big things since uh, this uh, episode. And I, I touched on last episode about how she collaborates a lot with Ryan Murphy. Uh, I mean, I think she kind of really made a, a name for herself in the American Horror Story franchise. Uh, and then obviously, uh, recently she got, you know, several accolades for, uh, the OJ Simpson story, American Crime Story. So she is definitely uh, a bit of a household name now. She's an amazing, amazing actress. And I mean, it really does shine through at this point on. And I'm just kind of looking here. I mean, she, she'd been in several things before. Uh, Nip Tuck, so I mean, by no means was this her first ever appearance. She'd been in such hits before this as Touched by an Angel, uh, Jack and Jill, <laughs> Law and Order. She was in The Sopranos, uh, and she also was in films before this, uh, Levitation. She was in What Women Want, there you go, um, and the great movie Bug. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, Nick, but um, anyway... Um, she, she's, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of wanted to take a moment there to talk about Sarah Paulson because I love this woman. Yeah, no, definitely. And, um, something that I know from that maybe a lot of people haven't seen is a, um, I think it was a director TV movie. It's called Game Change. And it's basically about the, um, 2008 presidential election and specifically looking at kind of the Sarah Palin oh, was you know, she side in that, of was she? That's a great movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that. she's, uh, She's she plays Nicole Wallace, who's one of the um, one of the McCain, you know, political advisors in that movie, and she's the one that kind of gets gets given um, Sarah Palin to to handle. You Is know, she the one that and, says at um, the end she didn't vote. Yes. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, right. Her. Yeah, okay. No, yeah. I do, I do remember in that now. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And so she was really good in that, and something a little bit different from the usual. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you're totally right. She's she's really good. And I guess the thing is, this isn't the first time we've seen her, is it, either? She's been in, um, already been in an episode in Uptuck, right? Has she? Was she? I think. If you, was she Was she not um, sassy and justice and, you know, oh, wasn't that her? No. Um, no, it wasn't, was it? Because I think, I think I always thought it was, but then it wasn't. Um, no, okay. Was, well, maybe uh, I'm pretty, wrong. I, I, uh, let me just confirm with that. Because, I, yeah, I, am I thinking they were or maybe I'm wrong here? No, it wasn't, no. So that was an actress called Cheryl White. But, yeah, no, like, I, I, I got confused with that too. Because I, I think when, once I started watching, like, American Horror Story and, you know, started to really familiarize myself with her, I, I always knew she was in it, Tuck, and I think that was the character that I always thought she was too. Um, oh, okay. Oh, well, I apologise for getting that wrong. It just yeah, I, I thought it was a bit weird that we'd seen her already, um, but we haven't, so that's okay. You yeah, can completely no, I, forget the last the last sixty seconds of your life because uh, <laughs> been any professional podcast would have edited that out to make us not sound like idiots. But uh, this is the Oz Network. We don't do that. Uh, no. So, <laughs> anyway, it's Agatha Rip, Sarah Paulson. Uh, not Cheryl White, um, but we, she's uh, she's a, a prostitute, uh, a, a sex worker. I think the politically correct terminology is we've we've discovered, um, and basically she's had a terrible life. Uh, she's lived on the streets. Uh, she's had multiple miscarriages. She's had you know been abused several times, and she's in because basically she's got stigmata. She's uh, I mean is that the again. Correct me if I'm not saying this correctly, Nick. Do you get stigmata? Uh, do you suffer? I, like, how do I describe this? 
No, so it's basically supposed to be. This is a bit like that, you know. There's a few kind of supposedly religious miracles, and you know, people that get stigmata, you know, they get the the marks from where Jesus was was nailed to the cross, basically. So it's one of those things that you know, it's a, it is a bit of a weird religious thing, and um, yeah, it, it, it's all a bit kind of crazy. But yes, I did get it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, cool. Um, <laughs> I do. I do like kind of this, you know, opening scene when you know she's obviously shows off her hands, uh, her wrist, sorry, with the the wounds, and just like her reaction to Christian because you can tell Christian like just doesn't give a shit about her but just like what does what does she say like I don't like him and like don't you be rude to me <laughs> like you know well, men yeah. always look at me like you do and all that sort of stuff um and then obviously what is Christian just the way he's kind of like you know does Jesus you know make you cut too and she's I mean she's flat out saying I'm faking this like stop the church from believing this is real you know like you got to help me and then she's obviously, you know, wanting the pro bono because she saw the girl on TV, obviously talking about Naomi Gaines. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's obviously just setting this up. And I, I guess kind of like my real first issue with this episode is that when we cut to the surgery scene, we get her like on a cross being raised up with that music. Um, and then everybody, do you notice everybody in that, that hospital room comes in all at once? Like they were just all standing in the background like, everybody walk in. Um, and then obviously throughout this surgery scene, we find out Liz is pregnant because going back on the storyline of Liz wanting Christian's, well, not wanting Christian's baby. She wants a baby and Christian has donated his sperm. Um, so yeah, we've, Liz is pregnant. Congratulations. And then, uh, was that, that sort of like throwaway line from Sean when he's like talking about, Oh, I hope I'm as good as Godfather as Christian is to Matt. And it's kind of like, ooh, you don't know the truth yet. <laughs> so, and then obviously Sean's kind of the theme with Sean this episode is that he's really not the religious one. He doesn't believe in it. He's a doctor. You know, he he's, he said, my faith rests in my two what high powers of my practice and my family. Um, and yeah, this is kind of the, the setup here. I don't know if you've got anything, a whole lot to, to add on this part. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with all that stuff. I think that that's um, it, it's pretty well covered there, really. And, you know, we're setting up for this big reveal at the end of this episode, which is, uh, you know, I can't wait to get to that part. But, yeah, I'm, I, I think we're getting the good setup here really well. And this whole thing is about, you know, um, really strong things in this, about, you know, having faith in things that you can't see. Um, and I, I, I guess, you know, um, Sean's, Sean's always had faith in things that he can't he can't prove i guess which is you know the love of his wife and all that kind of thing which he's about to find out um was misplaced and you know so i think this is you know a really interesting episode for tying those ideas together through the patient and what's happening with the doctors which uh, the best episodes of the show are the ones where they do that and they don't always do that but they definitely do in this episode for sure for sure uh we then uh see the outside of the surgery again as we kind of talked about in the last episode we get you know amazing christian in his red shirt and red tinted glasses and i think you and i both love that look um yeah outside the surgery obviously they've got a bunch of people out there they're lighting candles they're praying because they've heard about agatha and uh you know obviously uh i guess as catholic people do they hear the stigmata they assume that she's been touched by jesus and so they're all there praying and everything along those lines and we get this uh couple who have uh, a baby with a like a tail extended uh i don't know what that is uh it's got a tail basically and they think it's been possessed by uh what do they say like satanists because i you know they're they're um speaking spanish um and it's i mean it's can i just point out that it, that's a very good job by the prosthetics department and the makeup team there at nip tuck because that that looks legit 
Yeah, no, I think it looks really good. As always, they do an awesome job of it, and um, this ep- this episode is uh, no exception to that. That's for sure. Unless they really did find a baby with a tail. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's possible. Possibly, they go all out there. Ryan Murphy does. Um, meanwhile, Sean's in the church. We meet uh, is it Father Malley or O'Malley and uh, the the sister. Do, do we have her name, or did I uh, not write that down? Uh, well, the, this is the this is, this is the nun you're talking about. Is it a nun, a sister, or you know what I mean? <laughs> My knowledge yeah. is great here. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the same thing, basically. The, the, a nun is a sister, more or less. That's okay. just, that's just what they get called. Yeah. I used to always get confused got- in these shows when they would call people like father and sister. I'm like, wait, that's not their father. Uh- <laughs> yeah. See, whoever thought that this this Catholic knowledge was going to come in handy, but yeah. uh, Sister Reese Clear is who you're looking for. Yeah, played by Fiona Flanagan. Um, yep, cool. Uh, but yeah, so they're kind of we're getting a bit of a background here, a bit more on Agatha. Um, the fact that they can't find any family for her because uh, she was originally from Tallahassee and. Uh, you know, the kind of the fact that they're on her wrists and not in her hands and 98% of the fakers do it on the hand and then it comes down to the fact that they're nice clean wounds and not, um, uh, what do you call it, like punctured sort of, you know, jagged edges or things like that. They're square, not round. Uh, just, you know, all these things that obviously Father Malley's kind of, you know, claiming. And then obviously, you know, he's basically said that, we know, we need evidence by the Vatican. Now, look, I, I don't, I really don't mean to be disrespectful in anything I say in this episode, people. So, like, if you are a, a practicing Catholic or you are religious, please don't take anything I say as offensive. This is just coming from uneducated dumb bun Ben when it comes to this sort of stuff. But, like, I just, I don't understand, like, what is the higher power at the Vatican? Like, what do they send it off to the Pope? And does the Pope, like, have a, you know, five minutes between, you know, driving around in his Pope mobile and go, oh, this looks like Sigmata, you know, proved. And, and then what happens well, next? Well, I think, <laughs> I think it's one of those things where, um, I, I, you know, like, and again, I, I could be slightly off base here, but I think it gives legitimacy to it in their eyes is that if the, if the Pope has, um, you know, determined that this is a, an actual you know, miracle or whatever, then, then, then it stands, you know, and there's probably a department of checking up and to see what's, what's fake and what's considered a miracle. I mean, uh, in terms of actually somebody becoming a saint, um, they're supposed to have had two proven miracles happen during their life, I think. Um, and, you know, so like that, that, is a, that is still a literal thing. So when the Pope makes somebody a saint, they have to kind of have proof in their eyes that this person's performed a miracle at some point during their life. So, um, but, you know, I'm not making this up. This is actually true. Um, okay. Yeah. So basically, I'm a saint because two miracles in my life are that people have actually listened to the crap that I produce and that uh, people are still listening to the crap that I produce. So I would then claim that I'm a saint. Can I, can I say that? Uh, yeah, it's probably not going to pass the, the rigorous testing of the Vatican, I wouldn't imagine. But um, you, could, you could give it a try. St. Ben's got a nice ring. I just, I just love the fact that you like this a department. Like, what are they answer the phone? Yes, hello. This is the Stigmata Department. This is George speaking. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Department of Miracles. I'm sorry again. I'm not trying to be disrespectful in anything I say here, but uh, maybe I am. I don't know. Um, but I love what does Sean say? Like the miraculous mumbo jumbo, and I mean, it's it's kind of it's it's the age old debate of science versus faith, is it not? Like just kind of obviously Sean's the doctor, and you know he's going to staunchly believe in medicine and science and all this sort of stuff, and obviously you know Father Malley and and Sister Reed Clara, or you know on the faith side of things. So, um, I mean, you know, it's obviously setting us all up a lot for what we're going to see in this episode. 
Yeah, totally. Um, and, and so I guess it probably just speaks to the the bigger story going on here about about faith and and what it takes to prove to somebody. Um, you know, like at, at what point do you believe in something? You know, what level of proof do you need? And at what point do you just take a bit of a leap of faith? Yeah, and obviously we also get this sort of cut at one point in between where we see Julia is getting these manifestations of you know, mental wounds basically appearing physically. And then that kind of leads us into this this very weirdly edited crossover point. I don't know if this is just me, but I don't know if this really works because it's kind of, we, we get kind of Sean looking at Julia and saying like, you've got shingles, you know, kind of, and, you know, it's all coming down to, obviously we know, the viewer knows that she's, you know, emotionally stressed out, keeping all these secrets from people and everybody's finding out the truth about you know, Matt's father, but like, you know, Matt, Sean's basically like, oh, is it down to like, you know, Matt and all this sort of stuff? And, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, of course it is. But then it's just this weird fading and crossing between like Liz, because like, this is an issue that I again have with this. And like, I know we talked a little bit a few episodes ago about this sort of whole Liz storyline about her getting pregnant and kind of how it really goes nowhere. And I just don't know how I feel about this whole, the way they tie this into this episode, because it's kind of just like, it comes out of the blue. Liz wants a baby, and it kind of ties into the fact that, you know, Christian's just lost his baby, so it kind of it works out well from a standpoint. But then it's kind of like we we take it away straight into Liz all of a sudden is pregnant, but then it's all of a sudden like, oh, no, she's having problems with it. She's spotting. And, um, you know, we kind of then get real, I mean, bitch Liz, basically, because one minute she wants to include Christian, but then she's all like, oh, no, I was going to go see the OBGYN tomorrow, and I just kind of did this now. And basically, clearly showing she has no, uh, you know, um, care for Christian being involved in this baby at all. And then kind of, um, it like, it ties into, like, what do we get, this sheep's clothing devil quote, don't we, at some point? I've written here, again, my notes probably don't make sense, because I know this kind of leads into the surgery um, of the the baby in the tail, but, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this kind of, like, weirdly edited bit between these two. I think this would have just worked with just, like, Julia and Sean. And I just don't know why we need this storyline of Liz and the baby and kind of just what it all turns into this episode. I just, I just don't like it. Yeah, it's probably the only part of the episode that I think is probably a little bit erroneous. Like, you kind of don't need it. Um, but I think they do kind of tie it in well to, you know, Liz also kind of having this this thing about faith and she needs to believe that, you, you know, that... It has this whole scene with Agatha, you know, that she kind of needs to believe that her baby's going to be okay and, and all that kind of thing. And I, I think it probably just speaks to the larger point that everybody here is kind of losing their their logical mind um, because they've all got these things that are going on that are making them act in ways that they wouldn't be if, if everything was okay. And, and so, yeah, I do agree that it kind of it, it, it isn't necessary, but then it also doesn't feel like sometimes you get on, on lots of TV shows where like a little storyline gets shoehorned in and you kind of wonder why it's there. Like it doesn't need to be there, but it also doesn't completely feel out of place, I would say. I just feel a lot of my problems with this episode is that I can definitely see your side of the argument where a lot of this is kind of all connected with each other, this faith and just these storylines. And I can definitely see what they're trying to do. I just feel it doesn't work. Like, I just think that there's, like, they just over-preach it down your throat with this whole theme of this episode. And to me, this episode is just, there's so much wrong in terms of how they do it. And there's just one great moment of this episode, but it's just overridden so much. And again, I'm jumping ahead and it sounded like my concluding points here. But, like, I just don't like the way they handle this Liz pregnancy storyline and how they tied in with his faith aspect. And again, I know I'm jumping way ahead here when it comes to the, the Liz you know, Agatha's part where, you know, she's being all praying and all that sort of stuff. But, 
yeah, like if you're going to have this storyline with Liz and the baby and kind of sadly she's going to, well, she doesn't even lose it. Sadly, she terminates it. Um, I just think you could have done it better. You don't need it in this episode. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't think it's hugely necessary. Um, it's not a complete waste, but yeah, it's also not not hugely necessary. We we get the surgery scene. Um, Liz can't be there for the surgery, so she hands it over. Now, was I the only one who kind of thought that she hands it over to a guy called Taylor, and they're dealing with a tail? Am I just like stretching a really thin <laughs> bow there? Um, clearly, I, I don't am. know if that. Yep, um, but she obviously can't be there when they're doing a baby, you know, surgery. And then we get more Rolling Stone, Sympathy for the Devil, uh, kind of works in well there, doesn't not? Um, but yeah, then meanwhile, uh, whilst they're cutting this tail off, uh, conveniently they needed emergency in the recovery room, and conveniently for you know the baby, they just happen to be closing up at that point. I mean, it's not like halfway through when they're in the middle of cutting the tail off. Um, you know, it's kind of conveniently when it was done. But uh, cut to the emergency room. Here's Agatha, and um, she's not well. Something's wrong. And uh, we find that her feet now have the uh, stigmata. She's got the wounds in there. Um, and the first thing Sean is doing, of course, is looking for the, the weapon. How did she do it? And then we kind of then get uh, Agatha saying, like, I lied. I, I haven't done this. Like, this isn't me. So it's kind of, again, it's like, uh, one thing I will say, like the, the character of Agatha Rip is great. Like Sarah Paulson sells this character well, because again, it's like, we're really at this point now. Where it's like, well, what do we believe? Like one minute she said she's faking it, but how all of a sudden is this happening again? You know what I mean? Like, I realize we get a conclusion to this at the episode, but it's still at this point of the episode, you, you're really left guessing. Yeah, I, and I think they do a really good job with this part of it. And I think... Um the kind of backwards and forwards is interesting. I think you can kind of go two ways. Like you can either find this really quite fascinating or you can actually be really annoyed by this, you know, and I think it could go one or two ways. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I definitely see your point about this. This can be a bit frustrating how she's going on about, Oh Jesus did this to me and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's, um, it, it, it can get a little bit kind of OTT, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, from there, we obviously get kind of going into levels here with the sister again and kind of explaining a little bit more. And, you know, basically, she's going into this explanation, isn't she, about how she doesn't believe her, but she can't say anything because she wants a funding. And if she stands up to the father, like, you know, basically, it's, you know, her funding's done and her program's done. And, you know, she kind of gives more of a bit of a background story here in Agatha about, you know, how she got into this situation, obviously with a, you know, terrible upbringing with a stepfather raping her and, um, you know, a lot of things like this. Um, but then we kind of get this weird little notion there where, like, the sister all of a sudden is like, I know how you can see if this is real or not. Test the blood from the wounds. And if it's not hers, then it's, you know, it's Jesus's blood. I mean, going back to the fact that this is being sent off to the uh, stigmata department in Vatican City, uh, if that's the clear case of how to prove this, wouldn't that be the first thing that they do? Uh, I mean, yeah. And I just, I, I realize again, like how this ends. So, like, there's resolution to this plot hole. But I mean, at the time, would these two very highly educated plastic surgeon doctors not say, like, uh, didn't you already do that? <laughs> Yeah, well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, and I think it would, you know, like when you know the ending of this thing, it kind of looks like why on earth would, like, it just, it's all too convenient. Like, yeah. she obviously has just, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we Liz is now at the OBGYN, I think that's correct. Um, and 
they're looking at the 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 baby and basically you know asking like am I miscarrying and you know the doctor's concerned you know obviously saying about the spotting and uh, everything else that's going on there and the potential that uh, the baby could have Down syndrome. Uh, so obviously you know this is worrying Liz and you know kind of going along with that storyline and you're basically saying like you know you're going to be swimming in unknown waters for a while and we kind of get that great little line don't we about look that's what being a mother's all about you know um so yeah i i kind of think that's like a, a decent scene when it comes to that side of things um but then we get this scene of just like you know liz and agatha and it kind of it just goes into this like real um yeah i don't know i just i i don't like this scene this scene just it, it, it makes me uncomfortable and i don't know if that's just a religious thing or not it's not even that it's just it's just out of character for liz i guess maybe that's a lot of it for me as well it's like i can see what they're trying to do with her but i mean she's this like staunch feminist lesbian you know and it kind of just to me and i'm, I'm not saying that staunch feminist lesbians can't be religious but it's like she said in this episode, like, I stopped practicing when I was an out and proud lesbian. And it kind of, you know, all of a sudden here she is and I, I realise what she's doing. She's wanting a baby. She's willing to do anything to have a baby safe because she's worried it's not going to be okay. But just kind of the fact that we get this, like, weird bit and she touches her stomach like it's a boy and then, like, next thing, you know, she says that the bleeding stopped. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't like this scene at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, that is the one part of this episode that I really don't enjoy. Um, and I think probably what makes you what makes you more uncomfortable talking about religion or talking about um, OBGYN, <laughs> to me, it's a, it's, it's a toss-up. Uh, two, two blokes, we probably shouldn't be uh, diving too hey, much I into I just that recently stuff. did an episode with Colin where we talked about uh, tampons and panty liners. You know, I, I feel like I'm growing in this department. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave you to it. That was the uh, the random uh, recap episode of a tampon commercial uh, on the Oz Network. Uh, thanks for suggesting that, random listener. Uh, it was a charmed episode, people. All right, they talked about tampons in it. All right, just listen to it. Um, meanwhile, sort of in between all this sort of stuff, uh, Christian and Sean are testing the the blood. Uh, going back to what obviously the sister was saying about if the blood on the wounds is not hers, then this is the stigmata. And they look at the wounds, and lo and behold, the blood is different. So then we see the father coming in, and basically he's like, Agatha, you're coming with me. Um, and and Sean refuses to hand over the evidence, which is kind of interesting. Like, I mean, I don't know. Would he not just hand that over, or is it the case of he's a doctor, he can't be proven wrong? I mean, is that what that really comes down to, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I would think he is. Well, I don't know. Is he legally obliged to to hand that over or not? I'm not not entirely sure, actually. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Either. Like, does the church hold that power? I I don't know. Uh, clearly, the uh, stigmata department at the Vatican City doesn't have uh, jurisdiction over Miami. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, this would be a lot different if Nip Tuck was set in the Vatican City, of course. But um, you know, that's the spin-off coming soon to Netflix. <laughs> that, that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nip, Nip Tuck Vatican. Yeah, that's the, that's the, uh, the follow-up. <laughs> I don't think they have much business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us what you don't like about yourself. Nothing. God made me perfect. Okay, thanks. Come again. <laughs> Although this isn't this isn't the first time we've talked about about Catholics. Obviously, we had the you know the whole scene with the the priest getting the the birthmark removed off his dick. So you know this isn't the first time we've talked about it, um, which is interesting. It's obviously I wonder what Ryan Murphy's history is with Catholicism. I suspect that he's probably um, 
a, a reformed Catholic if I was going to take a guess, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not like he hasn't done religious storylines in his other shows before. I mean, obviously, you know, as we, we know, that the episode last season with that, and I, I just, again, we'll talk about this maybe in the concluding parts. I just think he goes over the top with this episode compared to that one. Anyway, uh, so from here... Uh, I've just written, Julie's in the church at some point, isn't she? Yes, she's looking at Jesus. Um, of course she is. Um, and then we get this scene, like, one thing I will say about this episode, and, like, what we've talked a lot about kind of just the confronting nature of some of the scenes, and we, we talked a lot about that, didn't we, with, uh, obviously, the suicide uh, scene with Megan O'Hara last season, how, you know, they don't shy away from the fact that we're openly getting a, a character committing suicide on screen. Um and again, very confronting, handled very well. And I will definitely say for this episode, the fact that there's no beating around the bush here. We're, we're seeing a, a, a character get an abortion on screen. Um, and it's it's not like they cut away. And it's just, I mean, we, we it's it's very, it's it's very confronting. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, look, I, I have never experienced what it happens in this situation. I don't want to hedge a bet or guess the emotional consequences that this would have on a, on a woman going through this, you know, that's not my place to say, but it's, it's still a very confronting scene done very well. And it's it kind of, it's, it's one of these scenes where you are expecting them to cut away, aren't you? You're expecting them to cut away, but they don't, they keep going, they keep going right to the part where they switch on that machine. So, I mean, for all I will say that is negative about this episode, this scene, it's confronting and it's, it's, I mean, it works it works well. I guess my overarching opinion of this storyline, as I was kind of said with Liz, it, I don't feel it fits in with this episode. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because, again, this is, this is going back to the, the comment I just made, really, is that you and I are probably not the best people to um, really make a comment on this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, in line with what the show's about there. When a subject like this comes up, we don't shy away. We we go straight into it and we... we kind of attack it head on and we kind of show it for for everything that it is and you know whatever your kind of personal feelings are about this um is you know like this is an emotional scene and i i think what's quite interesting is that potentially kind of catholicism and the idea of abortion are not something that um that go together very well you know obviously the the church is very outspoken against it and i think it's interesting placement putting it in the same episode yeah um and i I can't imagine that that was an accident so you know i think there's probably a whole lot of stuff happening around that kind of religious element and um yeah just just going back to my earlier point as i've just done a quick uh, wikipedia search and ryan murphy is indeed was raised catholic and it says according to his wikipedia page anyway that he's still going to church so um that's quite interesting yeah there you go uh, I mean, yeah, like, I think kind of you make a valid point with all that. Kind of like it's probably no accident for sure that you've got this abortion scene in a very Catholic-heavy episode. But I, I guess kind of like, again, going back to my issue with sort of Liz in this episode and this storyline is that, I mean, again, maybe I'm just reading or being too nitpicky here. You might put me in my place with this, but it's kind of just, you know, one minute she's all like, oh, I was, but now I'm not. And then she gets so religiously religious and kind of like, touch my baby, the bleeding stopped. And then the next minute she's getting an abortion. It's kind of like, like what? Like, wasn't she like, I just, I don't get where she went from the bleeding stopped, which is, I assume a good thing, um, to kind of having proof that she's the stigmata at that point to all of a sudden, Oh no, actually I'm going to get an abortion. I, I just, I don't get where she kind of went from one side to another. 
Yeah, it does. It happens really fast, doesn't it? I mean, that's that's the whole thing about it is that it does feel a little bit out of place because we seem to move through it really quickly. So, yep, we'll definitely uh, take your point on that one. That's for sure. Now, I mean, we've got to get to this next bit. I mean, this is look. I I can say what I want about this episode, but there's no taking away from this scene, and I would put a bit of money on this if I was a betting man that when we get to our season two wrap up uh, and we give our top five moments that I would be rest assured that this next scene should more than likely be in our top five moments. And you might even argue this could be in a top five, top 10 moments in the entire six series run just to really oversell this scene here. Uh, But this is, this is where Sean finds out. Sean finds out that he's not the father of Matt and just, Everything that happens in this scene, you know, it kind of just starts off really, you know, slow and kind of, you know, Sean's had a bad day. I want a beer. Let's let's watch this. Let's do that. And kind of checking the scabbing. And Julia, obviously, at this point is just kind of, you know, had enough. And she, she kind of has that, that line, doesn't she, about like, you know, how much do you believe in us, Sean? That, you know, no matter what, love. And can I just say that that is never a good way to be going into a a conversation with your partner. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying I've necessarily been involved in the conversation that's opened up with that line, but when you generally are involved in somebody that you're you're with and there's sort of like a, do you think we're, you know, how strong is our love? Like, okay, oh shit, what's about to happen? Uh, you know, who's really the father of our child? Um, but like, yeah, we just, the way she kind of reveals it, you know, Sean's initial reaction of, Oh, oh, is he sick? Like the truth, like you're the doctor, Sean. Shouldn't you know that? Um, but then, yeah, she reveals he's not your son, and just the acting here is so amazing. Like Jolly Richardson does this well, but Dylan McDermott, just the absolute star here by far. Uh, you know, just the way he handles this scene. Uh, Dylan Walsh. Did I say Dylan McDermott? That's a different actor altogether. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's Dylan McDermott? In the practice, wasn't he? <laughs> I've got Dylan's in my head. Uh, he was also in. Uh, he was in American Horror Story. So Ryan Murphy connection there. Um, but just his reaction, kind of, and the way it's edited too. That music in the background. There's that bit there where kind of like Julia's trying to explain it. And you kind of you hear muffled sounds because you're hearing it from Sean's perspective. You know the vomiting, um, and then just the moment then when he he grabs her by the throat and shoves her against the wall. Like wow. it's so powerful right to the very end you know when he just says that you've always been weak and just you know get out and then just kind of the the moment there when he like collapses down on the ground i mean yeah you can't speak highly enough of this entire sequence and i mean it really does connect into the next bit but i i want to keep that separate because i just feel this has to be talked about by itself yeah, no, totally good call. I was going to suggest the same thing because I think that there's there's two really big elements of this. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is, as you say, it's really, really well played. I think, um, you know, Jolly Richardson does an awesome job here of kind of like playing. Like she kind of comes in the room and she's quite tentative and just even her body language is really good. Like she's up against the wall, you know, she's looking for support. She kind of wants to, doesn't want to turn her back on him. Um, and, you know, like it, it, it's just really, really well played, the whole thing. And, um, you know, I've, we talked in the last episode about you kind of, you know, Christian is his reaction is different from from um, Matt's. And then obviously this one is the, the kind of creme de la creme of the three because it's so emotional. And it's kind of just been such a big build up to get to this moment, really. You know, this is going all the way back. You think like I think it was the was it the last episode of season one where she kind of takes the hairbrush into the, the DNA clinic? You know, so that's a long time to wait to kind of get to this resolution. 
and um, you know this is something that, that's going to really inform what happens over the rest of the season and it's obviously going to have repercussions for the, the whole series you know so it is an, an absolutely critical moment to, to get right if they'd screwed this up this would have just been a complete disaster you know but they do get it right and um, yeah I mean it's a really interesting choice that, that Ryan Murphy makes um, with these scenes where you know you kind of have these these moments where these two guys kind of get quite physical um i don't know if abusive is the right word you know but I, well i think it is in this case um i think there's kind of some gray areas with christian where he kind of like can get a little bit physical but i think with this one you know like there's no doubt about it where where sean's kind of grabbing it by the throat that you know there's definitely intent there um to make this a really kind of physical confrontation and that's an interesting choice to make because i think this is a moment where you kind of want to have sympathy with with um with Sean and you kind of lose that a little bit because of the way he he kind of reacts to to Julia physically um so it's an interesting choice the whole thing is just really really well played it's played with menace it's played with kind of you know and I do like what you're saying about the sound as well you know it's just everything about it is just so well done it just baffles me that Dylan Walsh never got nominated for one of the major awards. You know, I mean, we've obviously been over this a bit, you know, that Jolly Richardson did and, and, and uh, Julie McMahon did. But I don't know. Like, I, I'd i love to get him on the show and talk to him. Like, did this piss you off? And we know the act, the answer is going to be like, oh, of course not. You know, it's not. that's not what we do it for. But I'm sure that did piss him off a little bit because, I mean, you know, he's an outstanding actor. And, I mean... You know, just you look at some of the people. I was actually just recently looking at kind of some of the other nominees in sort of the mid to early 2000s of these major awards. And, like, you know, the majority of them are definitely deserving of a nomination. But, I mean, I, I noticed that, like, Anthony LaPaglia, like, won a Golden Globe for Without a Trace. Now, I didn't really watch too much of Without a, Without a Trace. But from what I saw, he did not have to deal with these heavy-handed storylines like someone like Dylan Walsh did. So, I yeah. mean, and, you know, I'm knocking an Australian there because, you know, proud Australian. I like Anthony LaPaglia. His brother does a good job hosting Survivor, so good on him. But really, like, Anthony LaPaglia won a Golden Globe for Without a Trace and Dylan Walsh didn't even get a nomination. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite baffling to me, and I think just everything about it. I think he's another one that does really well in terms of, you know, like he does a lot of kind of face acting, which really works. And um, one of the things I like about the scene, which um, neither of us actually brought up in our our first kind of talk about it, is um, you know, the bit where she's trying to explain herself, and it kind of like it, it's almost like the kind of buzzing comes in, and her voice drops out. And, you know, you can just hear him kind of just hearing this kind of droning. And yeah, then he's like, yeah. just shut up. And just like just some really cool sound choices as well. It's, and it's one of those things where, you know, like you need a scene like this. You need the acting to be good. You need the writing to be good. But it's those kind of extra things as well. I kind of like, you know, the bit where he does kind of collapse at the end after she's gone. And it's kind of like these quick cuts from different angles that kind of make him, makes him feel kind of disjointed. And, and um, yeah, it's just like just so well done. The whole thing is just just really, really impressive. You know what I find really interesting with this whole plotline? Because I mean, now we've had all the three kind of found out. But like, I mean, the way Julia comes across out of all this, because like, you know, she's she's obviously guilt ridden. She she's revealing this, and each person has their differing reactions. And like, obviously, each time she's trying to you know explain it, like you know, she didn't know until only recently, and all this sort of stuff. But it's kind of like. Do you feel the audience comes out of this like sympathetic towards Julia? Do we hate Julia? I mean, because it's it really is told through the perspectives of the three people finding out for the first time. So I I don't know how Julia comes out of this whole storyline because I mean again it's still so focused on on Sean, Christian, and Matt that I don't know if we ever will get a real resolution out of Julia from all of this. 
Well, I actually think that one of the things I really like about what Ryan Murphy's doing here is that we aren't really being led down a certain path. It's like it's left up to the viewer to decide who they really sympathise with. And I think that there's elements of all of them that you sympathise with. And that's that's pretty incredible that you've kind of got these four characters and all of them are kind of involved. And I mean, it would be really, really easy to come in and just tell the story as, you know, poor Sean. You know, he's the real... Sean and Matt are the two victims, and we should really be focusing on them. Yeah. Um, but you don't. I mean, you, you really do feel for Christian. You feel for Julia. Um, and, you know, that's just... That speaks to their ability to, to kind of act it really well, but also some really good writing that kind of makes you feel that, that level of sympathy for everybody. That is a very good point, Nicholas. Well done. Um, we then obviously get to this next bit, which... Again, it kind of it's 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 weird how it kind of counteracts because I mean this is the part where Liz essentially admits that she had an abortion, and then you know basically saying I was scared the baby wasn't going to be pretty because it has my DNA, and I mean look, I'm just going to say this: you can't feel any sympathy for Liz here. I don't. I'm sorry. I mean, if you do, Nick, by all means, sell it to me. But I I can't feel anything for Liz here because it's just the way she sells it. I don't even think sells it right. You know, like the the age old it's my body excuse and i don't really want to get into make that sound completely horrible or sexist why i'm saying that because i don't feel that that is a genuine excuse when it comes to something like that because again a man plays a part in that at one but i'm not getting involved in that that's a whole other episode and a whole other show but just the way she sells it about basically she's admitting that i used you because you were pretty there's a chance that it's not going to be pretty because it's got half of me and then if it's going to be sick and have a deformity you're not going to love it and then like christian you know basically the way he's like look i would have loved that kid no matter what and i understand liz's kind of you know perception where she's like look you you don't love this you don't love that you don't love this and clearly it probably just does come down to the fact that these two really don't know each other as well as they maybe think they do but i mean just kind of leading up to what we're about to get here with christian and sean uh i don't know like i i don't know if you have anything to add on that i probably just come across as sounding like a sexist misogynist bastard now i've just described it but I, i just can't have any sympathy for liz in this scene oh i think i think i do um and i i think probably what it comes down to is you know like Liz is supposed to be, you know, how old is like, you know, mid forties or whatever, and the idea that you know she might have to have to raise a child that's got special needs, and 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 you know, and basically for right or for wrong, she's saying that she doesn't have it in her to do that, and she can't rely on Christian to be to be there. And um, I, I think you made a really good point there, where you said that these two don't know each other as well as they probably thought they did, and you know, that when he's kind of offering his sperm up, you know, a few episodes ago, is that they're not thinking through the bad ramifications of that. They're thinking, oh, you know, that's a nice thing for him to do. It you know, gives her an option. Um, but they're not thinking, if this goes wrong, um, this is what could potentially happen. So uh, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely do feel for her in, in this situation. And it's, you know, I, it's it, this is a little bit of a hard one for me because it's, you know, cards on the table, not something that I've ever had to experience. So it's very, very hard for me to really, to pass any kind of judgment personally because it's not something that I really... Um, can can relate to so it makes it hard for me and i think that's probably what you're saying as well is that it's just not something that you, that you can relate to all that much rather than you know blame on liz or anything like that and i think probably the, the thing to keep in mind is that i think it's really well acted i think liz oh, yeah, does a good job sure. of, of this as well um and yeah so i think that that's probably where i come down on this um but I mean, the part that I really enjoy about all this is that we we, we suddenly get this POV from Sean as he yeah. kind of comes to lurch through the door, and it's just brilliant, eh? Like it's just like something out of like a 
a comic book movie. It's like Incredible Hulk, you know, in the middle of a transformation or something, just this kind of like, lurching along the, the the hallway. It's just so cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's done so well, and then just kind of the big reveal when Sean kind of walks in the room and just just starts wailing into Christian, just like knocks him down and just punches the absolute living shit out of him. And you know, Liz's reaction in the back, like Sean, Sean, what are you doing? And at no point is Christian fighting back because you you assume that Christian knows this is coming at some point. Um, you know, the yeah. Pandora's box has been opened and he knows at any point he's going to find out. So he's not going to fight back. Um, but I think the, the most touching thing of all this, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, just like this whole sequence from right when Sean's found out right to this bit, the, the most touching and most moving line out of all of this is just Sean, after he's punched the shit out of Christian, he looks at him and says, I loved you the most, and then just walks yeah. off. That's like, damn. That that hits the feels right there, and I mean yeah. that is just that is just super super powerful. And I mean we've obviously talked a lot about this whole thing about it being you know this kind of heterosexual love story and and all that kind of stuff, and and that that's where that really, that moment really comes through full circle. You know, is that obviously this whole thing is is devastating for Sean, but the reality is is that you know he may not have trusted his wife fully, which is an interesting thing. You know that he. He doesn't trust his wife fully, but he always trusted his best friend, and he, you know, he never believed that that would happen. Um, yeah, it's it, it's just amazing, and it's you know when I think about the show, that's the line that always comes back to me. Is it's that moment? It's the kind of it's funny because I had I had um, thought about in my own head that they were in the middle of a surgery, and he kind of came in, and and so obviously having watched it again, I've. I've been reminded of exactly what does happen, but it's even just, yeah, the whole thing, like you say, like Sean, uh, sorry, Christian doesn't fight back at all. And it's kind of just, even the way kind of Sean like lifts him up, you know, like after he's been punching the shit out of his face, he kind of just lifts him up and delivers that line. And it's, it's just brilliant day. Like it's so good. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of going back to what I was saying about how the whole, you know, reveal there's got to no doubt make our top five. I mean, you can almost, you can lump these two scenes together as one, but you'd almost feel that they're kind of separate because, you know, just that you need, I feel, to stand alone that I loved you the most line um, just because it is so, yeah, and it sums up so much of their relationship and just kind of the ups and downs. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we- and, um, and putting all the cards on the table is that I would definitely say that this is a top five moment for the entire series. That You know, this is like the culmination of so much of, of what's come in these first, you know, season and a half. It's all kind of led up to this, and you know, to kind of like, I think a lot of shows would kind of end the season. This would be kind of like a, a, a you know, like a cliffhanger almost. Like this would be the end of an of a season, and you'd have to wait to come back to see where it, where it resolves. And you know, you've got to give these guys a lot of credit that they've got the balls to drop this in the middle of a season, and so mm. we're going to immediately go into the aftermath. And, and naturally, the fun. middle too. This is the exact halfway point of this season, so yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Uh, but we close out this episode. Um, Sean's in church. He's obviously trying to find his faith now that all this has happened. And we kind of have this scene between him and Agatha. Uh, and basically, this is where Agatha reveals that it's all been a fake, uh, that the sister has been doing it to her to help bring all the people in the church that we see and obviously, you know, kind of go along with those lines and it's going to help out um, Agatha along the way. Um and then kind of it closes with her going off with the sister and, and what does Sean say? Like, oh, please, I need to believe in something and, you know, there's nothing to believe in anymore and there's the end of the episode. I, I think it's, look, to be honest with you, after everything we've just witnessed with all these confronting scenes of the truth and the reveal and all this sort of stuff, uh, this just kind of is like, I, I don't like how this ends. It's kind of like, this to, to me, kind of, you know, closing thoughts of this, like, this episode to me is just, 
I don't like. I hate how this big, huge scene is in an episode that I just can't stomach, and that's where it's going to make it so hard when we rate this episode because. You know, we talk about scenes and things and all this sort of stuff really helping an episode over the line in certain categories, but I don't know. This episode is just filled with such high and such low to me, and it's just, yeah, I don't know how you feel about how it ends and kind of how it all fits in with the episode. Well, I think it really goes back to the whole thing is that, you know, in the end, Sean is vindicated with the the major storyline here about, you know, that all along that he was right, that, you know, there, there was kind of nothing to... You know, he he had the he didn't have the proof, but you know now he finds out that actually he was right the whole time. And and you know, in in any other situation, this would be a moment of celebration for him because he's been proven right. But obviously, with everything else that's happened, it's it, all it does is just show him that you know there's it's definitely not worth believing in anything. You know, um, that sometimes you can believe in things, and um, you know it can take a long time, but you you'll be proven wrong eventually. Um, one of the things I really like about this, and I I. I have to assume that there's a little bit of makeup going on here with um, with Sean's character because um, he looks like uh, he almost looks a bit like um, you know Anakin Skywalker at the end of Episode Three. This kind of really heavily redded eyes, you know, and um, you know I, I imagine that that he can cry with the best of them, but it, it looks like there's probably been a little bit of makeup done to really kind of make him look, you know dishevelled and beside himself and you know he just looks really gaunt and so i think there's probably some good makeup work that's been happening here and um just something that i've kind of started picking up a little bit more on on the show that the makeup choices are actually quite impressive and, and there's something that we kind of don't talk about all that much but I, I think he just like it just really sells it that they kind of just make him look like you know like he's been hit by a truck basically and he kind of has been you know he's been hit by this kind of metaphorical truck really and yeah, I think, going back to your original question, I actually really like the way this ends because I think it's that you want it to finish with, there's no hope. You know, you don't want this to feel like, oh, well, Sean's going to pick himself up. You want this to feel like he is absolute rock bottom. There's no way out of this. And, you know, his life's never, ever going to be the same again. You you really need to feel that despair, I think. And obviously we start to dig out the other side a little bit, but, um, you know, we're obviously not going to spend the next um, four and a half seasons talking about how, you know, Sean, Sean doesn't change. Um, but yeah, at the moment, you really, really want to feel that sense of despair as you end this episode. I think that just absolutely sells this moment. Hmm. Interesting point. Interesting point. Um, going to lead us in, though, to our, our review here. Uh, buy it, rent it, or bin it. And yeah, this is, this is tough. But uh, I'm going to go to you first here, Nick, and uh, you can maybe last minute sway me or not on this. Well, I think probably, you know, some episodes are an obvious buy for us and that they're entertaining, they're funny, there's a big moment happens or whatever and you kind of need, you, you need to see it. And I think this is what that one falls into is that last one is that um, you may not like everything that happens in this episode, but I think it's an absolutely critical one to see. I, I don't think you can actually watch the this, this show and follow what's going on if you don't watch the last part of the show. And I would say, you know, like it's a 40 minute run and, you know, the, the whole thing with, with Julia revealing the secret kind of happens at about the 30 minute mark. So a quarter of the show is actually this end bit and all of that stuff is pretty amazing. So 
you know, for me, yeah, there's some, there's a few little rough edges on this this episode, and I think the one that we've uh, we've talked about previously to this, the um, the, the Naomi Gaines one, is a is a better episode, but I think this is a more important episode. So for me, it's it, it has to be a buy, um, because I think you, and I mean, it might be we might be doing a bit of a qualify here, but it might be a buy and um, fast forward through the first half hour of it before you get to that last ten minutes. But you, you absolutely, I think you have to buy this one, even if you don't absolutely love the episode. Category 726 on the Oz Network. (laughs) (laughs) The only show where our categories are just, yeah. Look, uh, I just, I just don't know. Like, there's just, I agree that it's important. I agree. I agree with you just in the the level of just intensity that this this reveal brings and, and this truth. And again, it's top five this season, possibly top five of the entire series. And that, to me, as I said, it just pains me that it's in this episode. I just... I mean, I had this issue on, on one of our third watch ones recently that it kind of... I, I, I binned an episode based purely on its its level of preachiness and how it came across as the theme. And maybe there's an overall theme in my head when it comes to certain elements when it just... It, I just can't, you know, stomach it. It just... I think we talked about on a maybe it was one of our very first ones when we were we were doing this, and I, I said that there's definitely an episode, and I think I said in season two that I would bin because this is an episode that I always get to, and I'm like, oh god, not this episode. Like I know what the reveal is in this episode, but it's just, I mean, you're right that you can fast forward through so much of this because you've got the important scene, and kind of when you get to that scene, you don't realize how long it's on the screen for, but. There is just so much to this episode that just like the, the Liz stuff as I've gone over and just like the level of kind of how that plays out and just everything else with it. And I mean, I, I, I just, if I, ha- I have to bin it. I'm sorry. I do. I just, I can't, I can't put myself on a camera. I mean, I'm definitely not even remotely going to buy this episode and I just can't push it over the line for a rent it. And I just, I mean, I will kind of put an asterisk on this kind of similar to what I said with my third watch one that I've been. It's like even a binned episode of Nip Tuck is still better than a lot of bite episodes of some of our other shows. So, I mean, that's kind of still stands on the level of how good this see, this show is. But I just, from a personal perspective, and if I'm sitting down just wanting to watch a random episode and just, you know, I just can't do it. And that pains me so much as well because, again, how high you and I talk up season two. So it's, yeah, I, I mean, in the last week and to date these in terms of recording, because I know these episodes are kind of spread out release dates, but I've binned two episodes of two of my favourite shows in the world, um, you know, in, in very good seasons. So there it is. That is our very first Nip Tuck bin, Nick. Yeah, I, I haven't had one yet, have I? I'm no. still, I'm still clean. Yeah, Wow. Yeah, there it is. I'm, I'm looking at my screen and I see a red mark. Uh, so there you go. I will say we're actually um, we're gonna we're gonna put out. Uh, I think maybe when we get to about a hundred reviews, I'm gonna say, which actually isn't that far away. Um, we're gonna actually kind of do a, an ongoing statistic there, so you can kind of see our percentages of how we're going with our buy it, rent it, and bin it. Because I mean, I, I, I keep a tally. I'm looking at my screen here, and obviously buy it's green, rent it's yellow, and bin it's red, and. Uh, it's kind of looks like a bit of a mix. There's actually a, a lot of reds are piling up here. There was a time there where there wasn't that many reds. And again, I kind of think this is a case that maybe we're, we're covering a lot of things that we love and we really should be sort of opening to cover things that are shit. I mean, we did do The Amazing Spider-Man too, so I mean, that's shit. So, uh, but... <laughs> 
yeah, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how that all plays out. But Nick, we've uh, we've had a, a very fun and interesting episode. As I said at the end of the last one, I think it was going to be definitely a diverse one. But uh, we we definitely move on to another very interesting episode. Rosen Raven Rosenberg. It's a bit of a mouthful, but um, yeah, obviously we've got to deal out with a lot of fallout from this situation that's just happened. Uh, and we get it. We get kind of this unique storyline, don't we? With Sean and Christian on the road, um, which uh, leads to one scene, which is like this is kind of one of these scenes in this episode. I don't want to spoil it, but it's like what I think Ryan Murphy does so well in his shows is that you have scenes that are just so over the top, ridiculously stupid. And you kind of think, really? Are you really doing that as a storyline? Even if it's just a scene. But somehow they work. And it shouldn't work, but it works. I don't know if you think of the scene that I'm thinking of. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting episode, to, to say the least. It's um it's actually one of my favourite episodes. And um, it, it, it's so weird. But um, it is, it is, it's just... You, it's kind of like an episode that you need after what we've just been through because it is, in a funny way, it is kind of a bit lighter and it's not quite what you're expecting coming out of the last episode. In some ways it is, in some ways it isn't. Um, but, yeah, it is, uh, it's really, really funny. Um, I was introduced to Todd Rundgren, who I've never heard of before, with his song in the, in the next episode. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's definitely some stuff there to, to unpack, that's for sure. Very, very much so. Uh, as we always say, if you are a fan of these, and please subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, all those regular channels that you are involved in while you're there. Feel free to rate us, leave us some feedback while you're there. Check out some of our other shows that we uh, sort of cross paths with. Uh, if you like James Bond, 007. If you like me, uh, The Brink, uh, <laughs> Nick's on that every now and then too um and uh yeah plenty of other things out there too like us on facebook follow us on twitter subscribe on youtube and uh our website is theoznetwork.net all of our episodes are on there in categories of course movies tv we do other ones on movies as well so uh thank you for your company we'll be back very very soon for episode nine of nip tuck season two uh until then my name is ben and nick i loved you the most Yep, and uh, I've been Nick, and um, I've already forgotten the quote that I had for this one. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>